teachers are leaders, y'all. We're here to emphasize the good in education, for practice, method, idea, and trend at a time. Thanks for being here. We have with us a longtime friend of the Warren Instructional Network and definitely a name that is, I think, huge in the literacy world. So uh, Dr. Tim Rosinski, a professor of reading education and director of the Reading Center at Kent State University. And there are accolades beyond accolades for, uh, for you, Tim, but to me, kind of two that stand out the most, and I think two that are, I would say, super prevalent in our current society. Uh, the 2021, there was a 2021 study done by Stanford University, and you were ranked one of the top two scientists in the world. And let me just, I mean, that has to resonate. <laughs> top two scientists in the world. Um, okay. And then in 2020, you were awarded the William S. Gray Award, which is the highest award from the international literacy community. And I, to me, those are, you know, I live in my very, um, I would say small world, you know, North Texas, we work in Texas, but to be awarded those two very prestigious awards that don't just span the United States, they go through the world, that is, I mean, how are we even talking together? Right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the second one you mentioned, the William S. Gray Award, uh, is most meaningful uh, to me because it's uh, the International Literacy Association represents uh, scholars, teachers, parents, uh, everyone who is for literacy. Now, the one from Stanford, um, maybe there's another guy named Timothy Rosinski out there, but uh, uh, as I shared with you earlier, I'll, I'll, I'll take it, if it, even if it is another guy. Absolutely. No, I think I think that's huge. And I definitely think, you know, I, I mentioned in, in the society we're living in right now and everything that's going on, I mean, to be awarded top two scientists, I mean, I think that just speaks to the work that you're doing for literacy and, you know, the kind of the, the path that you're on. <laughs> yeah, try, try your best. Yes, that is yeah. awesome. Well, before we kind of jump into the nitty gritty, I wanted to just kind of hear from you. I mean, you've been in education for a really long time, and I'm sure there are a lot of memories that come to mind when you think, you know, past, think through the past years. But if you could pinpoint, what would you say is one of your yeah. favorite, favorite memories in education? Oh, my gosh. You know what? I, I Thanks for saying I've been in education for a long time, Andrea. Uh, I know I'm old, but I'm, I'm not that no. old. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> Now, the first thing I want everybody to notice is my T-shirt here. I thought um, there's got to be at least a few UT fans out there. So uh, hook them horns. Oh, there you uh, go. All you folks. But um, if you happen to be Texas Tech or, or A&M, well, uh, I like you guys too. So nice. there, we, there we go. <laughs> Favorite memory. Uh, I mean, we could go a long way back. I can remember in my own schooling. Uh, golly. Um, I, I still have these uh, distinct memories. We talk about books taking you places. And I still remember reading uh, material in school. And it, it took me uh, to different times, different places. I remember distinctly reading a book that took place in the Rocky Mountains. And all of a sudden, I was there. And I wanted to be there. Uh, and and it, it, was just, it was just a special 
you know, feeling that you got. And, and it happened a lot whenever you got immersed in a book. And of course, that's, uh, that's where we want kids to be. Uh, I, I have a memory of performing uh, in school. Uh, I was in the school band. And so we practiced and performed and uh, we put on plays a lot. Maybe that's where I've got an interest in Reader's Theater. But uh, in a number of our grade levels, we would work in groups and practice our script and perform it for our classmates, our parents, uh, school principal. And what happened was it made us feel like stars. And uh, I want kids to feel like stars. In fact, one of my other favorite memories is uh, actually in our reading clinic. I tell this story quite often. A young man by the name of Taylor came to our reading clinic. We run a, read, a summer reading clinic here at the university. And um, I think he had just uh, finished second grade, pretty much a non-reader. And, you know, the last thing he wanted was to um, go to more reading during the summer, you know, another two hours per day of reading instruction. And I still remember him in the tears uh, coming in and, and tugging at his mom's sleeves. Please, mom, don't let me, don't make me stay here. Well, anyways, we call our reading clinic Camp Read a Lot. We try to make it a camp-like experience as best we can. Um, and actually, I've got some videos on it. If anybody wants on, on uh, take a look on, on YouTube, just search Camp Read a Lot, uh, Rosinski. Uh, but anyways, one of the things we do in our camp is uh, per, uh, having kids perform. One of our goals is for our children to learn to read something well every single day. So they can go out to mom and dad and say, mom, listen to me, read something that I could not read at the beginning of our lesson. And what can you learn to read quite easily? Uh, lots of things, short texts like poems and songs, you know, the rhythmical nature of these. And he got into it. He, in fact, he got into it so much that, well, not just him, but the other kids, we invite them to start writing their own poetry. And what we do is uh, I'll spend a couple of evenings in front of the computer. They get to choose two or three of their poems and I'll type them up into a book. And at the end of our clinic, which is about six weeks long, they get a collection of poetry that they contributed to. I mean, the, again, that feeling of success. Absolutely. But I still remember uh, him performing one of his poems at our last day of our clinic. We had a little presentation celebration where the kids performed for their parents and grandparents and siblings. And Taylor got up in front of and, and recited what, one of his own poems. Diddle, diddle, dumpling. Uh, my son Fred slept all day on his bed, woke up at midnight, screamed, there's a monster under my bed, diddle, diddle, dumpling. My son Fred, it's a parody of diddle, diddle, dumpling, my son John. And of course, he got a standing ovation as well as the other kids did. But I still remember him coming up to me. Afterwards, we had a little bit of a, uh, cooking punch, uh, cooking milk and cookies afterwards, uh, cookies and milk, <laughs> I'm kind of babbling here. Uh, but uh, I still remember him coming up to me, tugging at my sleeve. Hey, Mr. Rosinski, uh, can we keep doing Camp Read a lot? He didn't want it to end. Oh. You know, and, and that's, you know, what I call the art of teaching, not just the science, but the art. When you, we can get kids excited and feeling successful about reading. Uh, that's a favorite memory. And we have a lot of those, uh, with, especially with our struggling readers, because you know what? These kids don't feel very successful very often. No. And when we can give kids that success every single day, you know, I, I think we're going to go a long way, not in creating, not just in creating readers, but lifelong readers, kids who find value uh, in, in, uh, in reading and learning to read. And, and not just stories, not just informational text, uh, poetry, songs. 
uh, readers theater scripts, all those, all those things. So I, I could probably give you a lot more <laughs> memories, but those are a couple that stand out right now. Well, I love that. And I, it's, it sounds like you know, the memories that are, are fresh or are the ones that, you know, come to the top of your mind when someone asks. Yeah. Kind of tied to, you know, your passion. I mean, I know, you know, we've, we've chatted before and obviously I've seen your bio and I follow you on Twitter. And so I know, you know, the, the performances in the act of, you know, poetry and then reading that and performing it. That's not something that has, you know, stopped with you from, you know, where you are to where you are now. It seems like that has kind of become part of what you do and why you do it. So mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what you're passionate about and how you, yeah. ended up, you know, director of the reading clinic. Yeah, um, it, it should be, um, it's an easy question to answer. Again, I could go on and on about it, but I guess if we could be struggling, kids who struggle, mm-hmm. kids who, you know, they, they work hard, their moms and dads are worried to death about them. They have teachers who try their best and Yet we have, you know, kids who still struggle. And, and so what can we do? What can we do? And so that, that's been my passion. Uh, and uh, within that passion has been this thing called reading fluency. You know, in, in our country, in fact, all around the world, uh, we have come toward the recognition that uh, phonics is important mm-hmm. and that we have to teach phonics in uh, systematic and direct ways. And I absolutely agree with that. Um, but that's not all there is. Um, fluency, uh, one, of the, one of the first studies I read, well, actually, uh, I'll go back. One of the very first studies goes back about 40 years by Dick Ellington. Fluency, the neglected goal of the reading program. Wow. What Dick wrote was that uh, we, could, we, we know what a fluent, this fluent reader sounds like. All you have to do is listen to them uh, for a few minutes. And you can tell. But what do you do about it? And his our answer 40 years ago was not much. It wasn't really part of the curriculum. It wasn't until the National Reading Panel came out and said, hey, you know what? This thing called fluency, maybe maybe it's something we need to pay attention to. And the science of re- the science is out there. And, and so, you know, that began, be, began a starting point for that. Uh, Jack Pikulski and David Chard then wrote an article called Fluency, the Bridge between Phonics and Word Study and Comprehension. And I, I love that metaphor. Uh, because it is. It's a link between teaching kids phonics and words and and taking those words and turning them into comprehension, crossing that bridge. And you know what? Most kids, if you're a normal developing reader, you 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 cross that bridge on your own. You just right. practice, 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 and and you get there. But what the research tells us if our struggling readers don't. Uh, they they might get to the point where they can sound out words, uh, but they don't cross that bridge. You have to develop automaticity, the ability to recognize words effortlessly, so effortlessly, <laughs> so effortlessly that when you read, your mental attention is devoted to the text that you're trying to comprehend, not the words themselves. I often tell my class in phonics, I teach a class in phonics here, that the goal of phonics instruction is to get kids not to use it. You know, when we, you and I read, we hardly ever we hardly ever you know, have to stop and sound out a word or think about the meaning that those words are automatically recognized. That's fluency, this automaticity part. And then the other part, there's an, another part to fluency too, which is prosody or expression. 
what this research tells us is that kids, well, anybody who, when they read, read with expression and good phrasing, uh, good intonation, good emphasis, when they read silently, they're our best comprehenders. That's fluency also. So how do we get kids across that bridge? That's been my passion yeah. um, you know, ever since I read that article by Dick Allington 40 odd years ago. Uh, how do we get them to cross that bridge, especially when it's been something that has not been given the same amount of attention right. uh, that phonics has? Phonics deserves all of the attention it, it needs, but it all but fluency does as well. Tim Shanahan, uh, a colleague and, and, and a friend, uh, ha, has been asked, well, how much time should you devote to phonics? Mm -hmm. And he has said between 30 to 45 minutes per day to word study. And then when he's asked, how much time should you devote to fluency? He said an equal amount of time, 30 to 45 minutes. I mean, Tim sees uh, that the, both of these are important and both of them need, need uh, instructional time. Um, and my, I guess my work has been, what do I do? What do we do during that 30 to 45 minutes? Yes, yes. Yeah, because I, I, I see myself as, you know, not a... Uh, a hardline researcher. I'm more the person who does research into classroom practice, the researcher who takes other people's research and tries to translate it into actual classroom practice that is not only scientific, but also artful uh, there. So that's the other passion I've had in the last several years, the art and the science of teaching reading. Yes, which, and I think so. that's been for me. So I am a secondary person. I taught in middle school and high school classrooms. And so the this world of how you get students to read is so new to me. And, and it's been, I think in the past, it kind of just, you know, was on the back burner. It was what it was. I had kids who came to me knowing how to read and then we dig in and then kids who didn't. And it was like, what yeah. do I do? But now um, our four-year-old son is he's starting that process. Like he notices letters and he's starting to try to like sound them out. So like mm -hmm. he is trying to decode. He's not very successful yet, but it's like, yeah. you can see, I can see in his mind that the clicking, you know? Right. Well, he, so, he, he, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt, but no, he's, he's well on his way, but you know, yes. also, and this is where fluency comes in. The phonics tends, the direct in phonics tends to go from bottom up. Let's teach the kids the letters, the sounds, but we can also go top down. Uh, I've actually been in a discussion with some colleagues uh, recently. How do you do that, Tim? Well, uh, what are some texts that kids already know or could easily learn? How about nursery rhymes? Yes. Uh, you know, poems for young children. They can learn those in a matter of minutes. Then they have that sense of a full text. Then let's go in and begin to analyze some of those words by the letters you've already learned. So, you know, you start by developing fluency on that larger text and then, you know, break it down into analysis of the more, uh, the, you know, components of uh, the individual words and the components of the words. I think, you know, good, good instruction should be both, you know, bottom up and top down at the same time. And certainly that our research has, has shown that, that it can be done. Oh, I love that. I feel like, uh, <laughs> these are the times where, you know, like I said, my secondary mind gets a little insight into the how. I mean, I was very lucky. I just was, I don't know, learned how to read, you know, it oh, just sure. came easily to me. That was 
I don't remember learning phonics. I don't remember, you know, any of that. It was just, I knew how to read and I got it. Yeah. But so what, like, just what you said that going top to bottom and bottom to top, top to bottom, I think that makes so much sense. And I feel like, you know, in thinking through all the work that you're doing and, you know, being able to work with teachers and see teachers in classrooms and take that research and, you know, manipulate it and study it. To me, those are the action items. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, so yes, we have to teach phonics explicitly, but you can't forget about the fluency and you can't forget. I mean, you know, it takes both of those to right. get to comprehension. Right. And right. so, you know, I worry that if, just like anything, right? We, we talk a lot in education, the pendulum swings. And so, you know, we're, we're yeah. swinging very far, but if we, if we get stuck only focusing on one side, then, then what does that create? So in, in thinking about, you know, action steps, things that, that teachers or district leaders can do, what are some other things that, that you recommend? What are things like, you know, things that you could grab onto and do tomorrow. So to me, you know, thinking about that, yeah, the bottom to top, top to bottom, that to me is like, that's an action item. I can wrap yeah. my brain around that, take the abstract and make it concrete. Right, right. Now that's the hard question. How do, what's, what are the next steps? Uh, <laughs> golly, where do we start with that one here? Uh, you know, obviously learn the research. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to the research, find out, uh, you know, re- read, the, read the works that's out there, whether they're individual articles or books. Uh, one of the things I pride myself on is writing in a, writing in a way that's, you know, readable uh, by most people yes Um, and many of the articles that I've written over the years I posted on my website and I'm sure you'll put it up for everybody I will kimrazinski.com if you go to resources there are several uh, articles that I've written Uh, many of the books I think uh, the, the one on fluency is called the mega book of fluency uh it's gotten great reviews in fact it won the teacher's choice award back in 2019 very practical um, interpretation of the research. Uh, so, you know, become knowledge. We talk about the importance of knowledge in children for learning to read. That, that also applies to teachers and to researchers and scholars. Right. We need to increase, increase our uh, knowledge of this. And certainly, you know, the way, one way of doing that is by keeping up with the literature as best you can. I know that, you know, teachers, yeah, your day's pretty full already. And and wow. uh, for me to ask you to read another article or a book, you know, it's a challenge, but, you know, we we, whatever, we do whatever we can here. Just listening to me uh, jabber at you is probably might, might be considered, uh, you know, a bit of professional development itself. Here's the other thing, though, I would like to mention about action steps. You know, we've been, we're in this age now of SOR, science of reading. Right. And, you know, the point is that everything that we do has to be uh, justified by science. There is research to support it. But I mentioned this earlier in our chat. Teachers need to be more than just scientists. They need to be artists. And that's why teaching is so a, a challenge. You have to be both. Right. You can't be one or the other. You have to be, if you want to be a, if you want to be a painter, you can be an artist. If you want to be an engineer, you can be a scientist. But if you want to be a teacher, you have to be both. And that's the challenge. The challenge is how do you take those scientific principles and those scientific methods and turn them into art? 
uh, or artistic approaches, you know, and, um, you know, how do you define art? That's, you know, that's a bit of a challenge. I like to think of art being creative interpretations of things. I, I think of art as being aesthetic, something that touches the heart, not just the head. Uh, I think of art as being something that, um, well, creative art, art, art creative and, and aesthetic are, are certainly two of the, the main ones there. And how, how is that done? Well, let's go back to phonics, for example. Uh, we know from the research out there that this idea of manipulation of letters and sounds uh, where, where kids go from one word to the next by changing one letter or sound has really been found to improve spelling, phonemic awareness, phonics, but how do you, even the comprehension for that matter, by the work of uh, Bruce McCandless, but how do you actually put that into play? Well, how about playing word games? Uh, in particular, you know, I, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but uh, I've worked with some teachers. We developed uh, some books called Word Ladders. It's a game, basically, where kids go from one word to the next, uh, adding, subtracting, changing, rearranging the letters. And it's based on research, but it's also fun. I mean, how many of us as adults like to play games and how many of these games are word games? Mm -hmm. If you and I like to play word games, why wouldn't kids? And of yeah. course they do. And, and, and yet in schools, what are the last things that kids get to do? Play games, right? Only when the work's done. I would like to say that word games are the work. Uh, of uh, of classrooms, so you know that that's one example of of this notion of games. In fact, uh, did you do Wordle today? I did. That my my goal. I do Wordle while brushing my teeth in the morning. Okay. Like, Can yeah. I get it done in the two minutes it takes to brush my teeth? <laughs> there you go. Okay. Well, um, actually, Nell Duke wrote an article about Wordle and what it what it says about um, about learning to read. And, and she actually gave me a little bit of a shout out. She said, you know what? Those word ladders that Tim Rosinski makes, uh, they also have a another component. You're, they're not just looking about letters and sounds, but also meaning. Mm -hmm. So they work to develop phonic, uh, uh, phonics and vocabulary and spelling with kids uh, there. But the, the, the other thing I wanna point out though in this is that you know whether you're doing Wordle or words with friends, you know, kind of like Scrabble, if you do it regularly, you get better at it. Right. I'm actually, I, I can get most of my wordles in four steps now or less. You know, when I first started, I, you know, sometimes I would do six and I still didn't yeah. get it. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? We have a special name for it when you get better at something. It's called learning. Oh. Right? And, and what's yes. better way to learn than to be engaged in things that are authentic and artistic and aesthetic uh, for our, our kids? Same thing with fluency. We know from the science that fluency is developed basically through practice, you know, repeated practice of a text, practicing a text while listening to it at the same time with a partner or maybe something that's pre-recorded. Uh, but how do you get kids into reading something multiple times? Well, this I mentioned this at the beginning: performance. You know, if you're going to perform something, you have to rehearse it. You know, rehearsal is another name for repeated reading. So. Uh, why don't we find material that's meant to be performed? It's a natural way of getting kids into repeated readings. And of course, the repeated readings isn't aimed at reading fast. It's aimed at reading with expression. Uh, that, you know, that prosody that I mentioned as part of that bridge to comprehension uh, there. That's that notion of art. And of course, the next question is what kinds of texts are meant to be read out loud or performed? Poetry, songs, readers' theater scripts, 
you know, speeches from American history, you know, all these things are materials that are part and parcel or should be part and parcel of our reading curriculum, our artistic and scientific reading curriculum. So same thing with comprehension, although I, I, I don't want to, when I get going on these things, I have a hard time stopping. I mean, how about it. developing phonemic awareness? Yes. How about nursery rhymes? Right. Now when kids go diddle, diddle, dumpling, dickery, dickery, dare, they're developing that awareness of the dis sound. Somebody once told me that that's why nursery rhymes exist, to develop phonemic awareness. And again, there's research to support it, but how many kids don't know their nursery rhymes? You know, they yeah. enter kindergarten and, you know, they don't know these. One of the things I have on my website is a nursery rhyme book. I Somebody once told me, hey, Rosinski, though, you know, those nursery rhymes, it's public domain material. Whoever wrote them, you know, they're dead. They're not going to sue you. And I said, holy ah. cow, you're right. I spent a couple of evenings typing them up, you know, and they're, they're on my website under somewhere under resources or so. And, you know, I have kindergarten pre-K teachers printing these out and passing them up to parents and saying, parents, uh, teach one of your kids, your kids, one of these every single night, uh, simply by sitting 10 minutes with them. And, you know, you're, again, it's art, but it's also uh, an authentic and scientific at the same time. Sometimes you got to go backwards to, to, you know, look where we've been to go forward. Absolutely. And maybe that's my problem. I'm old enough that I keep going backwards too often. <laughs> no, I think that is, that is what we need more of is the perspective and the experience that can, you know, you know what has happened and, you yeah. know, where we are and how we've gotten here. And I think, I mean, you said it, this, this episode is a gem for sure. It is, there is a lot of PD built in here. I mean, from just the researchers that you mentioned and the resources on your site, which I absolutely will link into the notes for this episode. Great. But, and I did, I was glad you mentioned the word games because if you weren't going to bring it up, I was, but that is something I see um, on your Twitter. So for everybody else, if you are not following Tim Rosinski on Twitter, his handle is at Tim Rosinski one. So that is, you know, add that, add that to the PD that you well, yeah, <laughs> actually, um, ever since the pandemic started two and a half years ago, uh, I thought to myself, well, what can I do to support teachers and parents? So here's the, these are the things I like to do. Uh, three days a week, I post a, either a lesson or a resource. Mondays, I call it Monday Morphology, uh, where we work on uh, uh, different morphemes or word roots. Uh, for example, it's December right now, we're doing this. And so one of the word roots I'm going to focus on next week is the word root DEC, which means 10. Now, people ask, December is the 12th month, not the 10th month. Well, not back in the Roman days, it was the 10th month and things got switched around. But think of all the words you can think of that have DEC in them that refer to 10. Words like uh, decade, decathlon, uh, um, uh, maybe you can help me out. On, on well, your I I feel like the ones I was thinking of did, I was like decimal. I don't think that. Decimal, right. Decimate. You, know, you, you yeah. get the idea. Wednesdays, I do Word Ladder Wednesday. So I post on those Word Ladders we talked about. Mm -hmm. And then on Friday, I do Fluency Friday. So I post a, uh, a, a text that is related to the time of year. And it's something, whether it's poem, a speech, uh, a song uh, that parents or teachers for that matter can bring into the classroom. Uh, so last week was uh, the week of Thanksgiving. My Fluency Friday was some poetry about Thanksgiving. So kids could learn to celebrate Thanksgiving, but at the same time, 
uh, develop some fluency with it at the same time. Um, I, I will mention also, since we're at this, that um, I put these on Twitter. Sometimes people would like to get a direct, uh, get these directly. So if anybody would want that, just send me an email and I'll assure you'll put my email in the notes. Just say, Rosinski, put me on your list and uh, I'll add you. And every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'll send it to you as an email so you can get it that way. And if you don't want, if you want off, send me another email, say, take me off. <laughs> Sometimes people, you know, I'm retired. I don't need these anymore. Aww. And uh, that's good. I don't know how to put an unsubscribe button in my, in my emails. So you'll have to tell me when, when uh, you're done. So, well, but um, again, it's my, my small contribution uh, to helping all kids and parents. I, 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 I know how, how hard it is to be a parent. I had a child who struggled. Um, in reading and and perhaps not as bad as some other kids, but it, it's 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 it, it it's heartbreaking, I guess. And um, whatever we can do uh, as a profession, whether it's on your end, working with Kyle Warren and his uh, his his resources, my end as a professor, teachers especially, you know, whatever we can do is uh you know is is to make this a, a better world in our small way is, is certainly worth it and yeah. literacy is so important oh my gosh yes yeah. i feel like uh you know being an, an english teacher and in the literacy world i am um very proud of the work that we do i mean i yeah. what what do you do if you are not literate i mean what do you have if you don't have the ability I know. Right, and to communicate. So it's it, it's hard to even imagine. Yeah. I mean, first of all, you're trying to hide it mm -hmm. uh, because you know there, there's that association of being stupid, right? Uh, and it's not actually. Many times, the kids we find who struggle uh, are incredibly intelligent. Some of the brightest kids, but you have to hide it because there's that association. And then, of course, just the the problem of not being able to make it through a text, right? Um, is such a challenge. So. Well, I, I love it. I love everything. And I think to me, one of the things that resonated the most was, you know, teachers having to be artists and scientists. And, and, you know, mm. there's a lot of memes or whatever it is, you know, talking about how teachers are superheroes, but teachers are human, just, you know, like everybody. Yeah. But yeah. The, I mean, if you really think about what teachers are doing the ability to create those students who can right. read, and read and write and then can be whatever they want to be is such a, a powerful thing. I mean, exactly, exactly. If I had my way, um, I'm not a big proponent of any program. Mm -hmm, right. Uh, and if I had my way, I, I to teachers, I'd say, teachers, this is where kids, your students need to be at the end of the year. Right. How you get them there is up to you. Oh. Be that creative person. We're going to give you the support. We're going to give you the knowledge base, uh, you know, whatever you need. But you don't have to follow some script to get there. Uh, the, the kids need to follow the script when they're developing fluency, but you don't need to. Uh, but, of course, uh, um, that's not the way the world is right now. You know, we we I hate to say it, but I think there's a certain distrust of teachers and we expect them to follow the script because, you know, we don't trust you. We right. need to trust our teachers uh, to do, yes. um, you know, what, what needs to be done. Yeah. Um, can I plug myself one more time? I, Absolutely, I think we're please. Since you mentioned art and science, um, 
a new book came out last a April of 2022, uh, and the authors of it are a Texan, uh, Chase, Dr. Chase Young. He's a professor at Stan Sam Houston State University. Uh, David Page is a professor at Northern Illinois, and myself, I'm the third author. We wrote a book called Artfully Teaching the Science of Reading. Oh. We try to take, you know, the science as we know it, you know, the, the five pillars that the National Reading Panel came up with, phonemic awareness, phonics, vocabulary, fluency, comprehension. And we try to explore, well, what are some ways that these things can be taught um, in artful ways? One of them we, we already talked about, the idea of word games, uh, but uh, of course, many other ways. So it, it's it's a nice example. It doesn't It's not meant to be comprehensive in a sense that you've got to do all this. What we what we think of, uh, of it is liberating, something that a teacher would read and say, oh, yeah, I've got some ideas there, too, and I think I can try them out. Uh, now that uh, 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 Chase Young and, and David Page and Tim Rosinski gave us some ideas here, let let us be creative now. So it's more of us of an idea that, you know, you knew, you know, a lot more than what you think. That is awesome. Thank you. Well, I so appreciate your perspective and insight and expertise in, in the area of fluency and phonics and just the ultimate goal of comprehension. And I so appreciate your time in talking with me today. Um, I, you know, like I mentioned, I will, I'll put in all the things into the notes. So, you know, okay. anybody who wants to get in contact and at a minimum, follow you on Twitter, because that is. There are so many things there. I love it. Sounds um, great. Uh, will you please give a shout out to Kyle Warren? I yeah. Think, uh, everybody knows Kyle. He's been a good friend for, I would say, over 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, we have lots of stories of being traveling through Texas <laughs> years ago, going it. from one school district to the next. He's a wonderful guy. And uh, I think uh, if for those of you who don't know him uh, and his work with teachers, please do. It's uh, just a, a terrific resource for uh, all the educators in, uh, in in the state of Texas. Yeah, well, and obviously we would not be the Warren Instructional Network without Kyle Warren, but yeah. I think, you know, being able to work with somebody whose vision is so much more than just the resources in the classroom is, has been an awesome journey to be on. And so, I mean, that's, Absolutely. you know, having having this podcast and trying to talk to more people than just, you know, I don't know, a, a small group or a small amount is, uh, mm -hmm. that's what we're trying to do. Be, be a little bit bigger. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Makes I sense. I love it. Awesome. Right. Well, thank you so much for being here today. And, uh, you know, until next time. Right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you, Andrea. And, uh, um, it's around, we're getting to a close to holidays. So happy holidays to everyone. And, uh, um, wishing you all the best for 2023 and beyond. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Bye now.